Welcome to Owl Have You Know, a podcast from Rice Business. This episode is part of our Flight Path series, where guests share their career journeys and stories of the Rice connections that got them where they are. So it was a huge advantage to be able to grow together. You know, I was growing as an assistant chief. I had only been an assistant chief for less than a year when I joined the program. And then growing as NIMBA, you got an opportunity to kind of see the theories being applied in practical use. But then you had that amazing core court that you could bounce ideas off of. So was it tough? Sure. I mean, there's always sacrifices. And unfortunately, most of the time, it's your family. A life of public service before coming to Rice Business's Executive MBA program. Houston Assistant Fire Chief Rui Lozano is moving on to a new leadership role. We'll find out where as he talks about how the program shaped his skill set, balancing work and studies, and his biggest challenge in his next role. Today on I'll Have You Know, we are joined by Rui Lozano, Rice Business in the class of 2020. Rui, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks a lot for having me, Christine. Well, I want to give everyone kind of an introduction. You completed the Rice Business Executive Program in 2020. You were Assistant Fire Chief for the Houston Fire Department and are embarking on a new position as Fire Chief at the New Braunfels Fire Department. Can you just tell us a little bit about this new role? I know it's going to be a big change and a move from Houston as well. Well, first, I think we got to say we graduated in the class of 2020. So, you know, we were <laughs> cohorts together, and which was an incredible experience. We had an amazing cohort. And part of this change is attributed to going through the class at Rice at Jones School and the amazing cohort that we had the opportunity to learn from. You know, that's one of the greatest experiences of my life is attending Rice, but not just learning from the instructors, but learning from the conversations where professionals were debating, dialoguing, and just having a, an exchange of ideas. And as you know, we had an incredibly diverse group, you and I being the outliers, the only two communication professionals, but the diversity experienced and just people was incredible. And I'm just feel so blessed to have gone through it. I totally agree. And, you know, I jumped right in introducing everyone to you, but you and I, we actually knew each other <laughs> before starting at Rice Business. Do you want to kind of tell the story of how we know each other? You're a nationally recognized reporter and everybody, I think, uh, recognizes you, but you and I spent time on a bridge as there was rescuers bringing victims from a flood. And you yes. know, we met in, in other experiences, you know, my experience in the Houston Fire Department is probably being atypical, you know. 26 years ago, I did start as a firefighter, but when I made the rank of captain, I also had a degree in PR and communications. And that kind of catapulted me to be the media spokesperson. So you and I had the opportunity to meet on several occasions, sometimes good, unfortunately, sometimes not so good, but it gave me somebody to lean on when, when we were at Rice that we weren't the only two PR professionals or communication professionals in the group. Definitely. And I remember being out there in many situations and circumstances, like you said, not always pleasant, but you were the spokesperson for the fire department. And I was interviewing you as a reporter for Channel 13. So it was definitely interesting when we both walked in to <laughs> that event and, and realized we both were going to be in the same cohort at Rice Business. That was refreshing. Like I said, it was great to have a friend and colleague that you can turn to when you're first making those introductions. But to be honest with you, everyone was so warm in our class. You know, I really felt very welcomed. You know, obviously being in Houston, there was a lot of engineers from oil and gas. We had some physicians, some surgeons. 
professionals from a diversity of group, but everybody, I think, accepted us as people that could add value. I think we added a new dimension to the discussions and we stole a lot of information from them and it really helps everyone have that professional exchange of ideas. And I think we're all better for it. I completely agree. Just such a diverse, amazing group that I think I use things every day that we learn from one another. Yes, it's always amazing to me how you'll be working in your own environment and topics that you discussed in class kind of pop into your head or the notion of something kind of brings back some information that you can now apply. And our cohort had also people from all over the world. So it also gave you a different perspective on how you look at things, you know, just how important our government is and how it impacts the global economy and situation. We had people in our military that really added some amazing leadership learning opportunities. And then you and whenever there was a PR crisis class, that's where everybody kind of looked at you and I and said, okay, how do we handle this one? And I think there was a lot of value there, you know, and the fact that you were allowed to be vulnerable, you were allowed to make a mistake. You were allowed to make a fool of yourself a couple of times and no one was going to judge you for it because we were all there to learn. And I truly attribute my pivot that I'm taking, or I guess it's not truly a pivot, but my progressing into the positions of fire chief to Rice and the amazing cohort that we had. Definitely. And I think sometimes maybe we forget public service, government entities, that business element to it. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, how you implemented your learnings at Rice Business into, you know, your role with the Houston Fire Department and, and that value? Well, you know, Chief Pena, he's the current fire chief of Houston. When he selected me to be the assistant fire chief, the area that he wanted me to really look after was the capital budget, the procurement side and purchasing. And that's part of the reason why I said, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this right. And that's when I applied for rice and I got accepted. And it really gave me an opportunity to understand the language that was being spoken. And that's one dimension. But I think something that is a little bit different from RICE, from a lot of different uh, institutions is RICE is very innovative. They don't want you to conform to the box that everybody wants to put you in. Myself, I had an opportunity to look at the current landscape. You know, budgets are always tight. I don't think there's ever been a government that says, oh, we have plenty of money, buy whatever you want. You know, traditionally you have to triage. You have to look at the budget, see what's most important and make decisions. But where I think Rice really helped me was it allowed me to look at things creatively and globally. And one of my current successes is we implemented some new lease opportunities for vehicles. The American Fire Service is a mechanized industry. We can't do our job if we can't get where we're going. And we have a huge fleet of fire trucks, ladder trucks, EMS units, standard vehicles for inspectors and arson investigators, and they come at a cost. And Rice really gave me the ability to make negotiations, think differently, try to use operating budget instead of capital budget and apply lease strategies and be creative. And most recently, about a year ago, we were able to work with an incredible organization and we purchased well over 105 vehicles, one of the largest acquisitions and replacement of vehicles in the history of the fire department. And the strategy was very different. We weren't going to just purchase and hang on to them forever and let them depreciate. We were going to lease them and we're going to, and then we were going to arbitrage our economies of size and government incentives and get rid of them in a year and replace them. And, you know, uh, the finance department wasn't sure how they were going to take this. And that's where I really appreciate being able to communicate it thoughtfully, use the language of business, but also be able to use the data and be data-driven 
put it out in the spreadsheet in a way that made sense. I actually had the opportunity to present this particular strategy to the mayor because a lot of people were not comfortable with this new uh, strategy. It wasn't anything we've ever taken on. And we're now at a year later, we're completing the first cycle of replacement and we're actually going to show a profit. You know, the secondary market really exploded on us for vehicles and we were forecasting a revenue stream of close to a million dollars and with uh, probably a net profit somewhere around 500,000. And the goal was really just to hopefully just not outperform the capital, but we just outperformed any expectations. Now I can't completely take credit for that because a lot of that was the market did what the market does, but being able to leverage the situation and communicate it in a language that is spoken by the finance department and procurement department, I think Rice brought a lot of value to me to be able to present, to be able to use data and to do it in a way that the mayor took one look at it and literally in a 30 minute meeting, he said, we're doing it and we're doing all of it. I have to thank Chief Pena one for having confidence for me to tackle this project, the mayor for looking at the data and having confidence to say, you know what, we're going to do this. And he knew that I had gone through the program and he put a lot of value in the fact that I had gotten the education at Rice and they took a risk and, you know, true reward only comes from true risk and it's paying off. It's paying off to the citizens of Houston. It's paying off to the men and women of the Houston fire department. And hopefully this will continue. But I think it's just one example of how you might come from one area and you get an MBA and you're able to kind of apply the two. I speak the language of business. I already had a communication background and I was able to marry him to be able to communicate thoughtfully of an innovative program that has shown success. And I think taxpayers can find appreciation in that. Absolutely. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we have a fiduciary responsibilities to the citizens. And that's one element that the fire chief always told me, said, you got to make sure that whatever you're doing, you're doing for the right reasons. And if you can apply data and financial strategies and then communicate it, I think you're going to be successful. And Rice really added a lot of value in that. So I know you've been with the Houston Fire Department for more than two decades and and (laughs) seen your share of crisis. Harvey, we could go on and on. Is there one particular maybe crisis that you've learned the most from in, in how to handle and, you know, what it's really taught you? Well, you know, I can think of two just incredible crises. You know, obviously May 31st was just a devastating day for the Houston Fire Department. We lost four firefighters at the Southwest End Fire. And that one really showed me that it's important to get in front of situations, be transparent with the citizens, know how to communicate. And at the end of the day, that despite everything else, people matter most, whether it's the firefighters that were involved, the families that were impacted, the citizens that truly carried us through a very tough time. The second one was Harvey. Nowhere, I had been an assistant chief for just a few months and the roads had already flooded. We had firefighters at the stations that I couldn't get supplies to. Forget supply chains. We were looking at actual delivery roads that we we have supplies, but we can't get it there. But you know what? The men and women of the fire department showed that in crisis, people pulled together. They figured it out. When the roads finally did subside, we were able to get resources to them. We were able to execute and provide the the level of service that the citizens deserve. And lastly, COVID. COVID was just a monster. Nobody knew what to expect. Supplies were down. You know, when you're a large organization like the Houston Fire Department, you have 4,000 firefighters you have to protect. 
And during COVID, it was trying to find N95 masks, trying to find gowns, trying to find gloves to supply an organization of this size was tough. And we were coming towards the end of our program. And it was very helpful to have that business acumen because I was making negotiations with people in Monterey, Mexico. I was talking to people in Saudi Arabia, trying to locate the appropriate resources and then trying to figure out the proper way to get them to the States. Because when you're trying to make multi-million dollar purchases, you know, sometimes you encounter a lot of political just challenges in delivery. Supply chains were so disrupted during that time. And I really have to be thankful that Rice provided me some opportunities to discuss and talk about supply chains and disruptions. And when we had such a diverse group in our class and to understand the different cultural and political situations that were going on to be able to handle these uh, supply chain issues. But, you know, we were very fortunate. Our firefighters never had to do without. Now, did we have to ration? Absolutely. It was one of those times that everybody had to, you know, kind of tighten their belt, be creative. But at the end of the day, I think we provided an amazing service and I don't take any credit. These were the men and women at the street level. I mean, this was retail service, you know, going door to door, making sure the citizens were safe, making sure we were protected, make sure they were protected. It was a tough time. And I am so proud of the men and women and how they executed and the citizens understanding that there's going to be challenges. And, you know, it's unfortunate we did lose three firefighters to COVID-19. But I think it, it could have been far worse had we not all come together as a community. And I'm just thankful that there was so much support. There was times that supplies on the shelf, the, the shelves just looked empty and you're sitting there going, what am I going to do? And all of a sudden a delivery truck pulls up and you're like, thank God that these items showed up and it was just in time, you know, and, but it also gave us a uh, perspective. We have to now be thinking the world a little bit different. Things aren't always going to be at your fingertips. You're not going to be able to just order it on Amazon and have it show up the next day. So you got to really be thinking about what your inventory holdings are going to look like. And you'd be thinking of forecasting uh, disruptions, you know, maybe not having sole source providers for certain items, but having multiple providers so that you're a little bit more nimble than you were before COVID-19 and all these supply chain disruptions. After serving as an assistant chief for one of the, the country's largest departments and and moving into a role as, you know, the head chief in a, in a smaller but growing department. How is that different? How do you approach it differently? I think the first thing is when you first show up, you're, you can't show up trying to make changes. You show up trying to learn and get a feel for the landscape. New Braunfels, the New York Times just said that they were the fifth fastest growing city in the country. So wow. they're having a huge population boom, huge housing boom. And from a public safety perspective, we look at the, the risk concept that comes along with it. Whenever you get population density, there's going to be increased call for service. You have a huge housing boom. Well, that's going to be a huge call for permitting, fire permits. I think part of the reason that I was so attracted to New Braunfels, despite its beauty as a national treasure, but was the opportunity to be involved at the ground floor and continue to grow an already great organization to match the risk that is inherent to this type of population growth. And for me, when I first saw it kind of come up on my LinkedIn to apply for New Braunfels, I did my homework. I, I really loved the area. I don't know, I know many of us, whether in college or when we were younger, used to go tubing down the rivers and enjoy that whole New Braunfels Canyon Lake in San Marcos area. 
And so that was already very attractive. And then to see that growth, and I said, this is an opportunity to apply all those different strategies that we learned. And I just hope to be able to add value there. We have an incredible leadership team. You know, when I met with the city manager, they saw the growth. They realized that there's an inherent risk and they want to be deliberate, but they want to be smart. They want to be innovative. Let's match the risk with the appropriate resource. And let's do it in a way that is responsible and thoughtful. So you're going to have to have, obviously, institutional knowledge of public safety, but you've got to have a business acumen when you're trying to run an organization, because at the end of the day, it's not your dollars, it's the taxpayers. And you have that fiduciary responsibility to do what's right. What originally drew you to public service, public safety, the fire department? You know, I was at University of Houston. I was in the Army Reserve and I was in the Corps studying to be an officer. I really thought that my calling was to be an officer in the military. And somewhere along the way, one of the sides, um, I was a chemical operations specialist, but I was also a medic. And one of the things that really attracted me was that medical side, being able to serve from a medical perspective. Well, I was like on my junior year, I think, and the fire department was hiring and it said, we'll send you to paramedic school. So you're going to go to fire school, then paramedic school, they're going to pay for it. And that being able to show up to someone's house when they're having the worst day of their life and being able to have the knowledge to make it better, that was very attractive to, to for me. And, uh, you know, I joined, I was a medic, firefighter paramedic for the first 12 years of my career. And it was probably one of the most satisfying careers I had uh, that, that anyone could have. Anytime that you're out there and you're just helping people at a, at a grassroots level, it's, it's just fulfilling. You go home knowing that, that you did good. You know, the fire department schedule is a very unique schedule. And the, the other part that was really attractive is that when you go home, you can separate yourself. You can kind of decompress. You don't take home the emails and everything else. And that was really attractive to me. And I love the paramilitary organization being in the army. And after 12 years, I just started promoting fairly quickly. And that's when I realized that there comes a point where being the guy boots on the ground, that's kind of a young man's game, you know? And at 45, I don't know if I could still be jumping off a fire truck, running into burning buildings or running behind an, an EMS unit. So it was time for me to say, I want to continue to contribute, but I want to contribute at a, at a higher level. I want to be able to provide the resources for the men and women that I consider my family. And that's what actually led me, one, when I became a, the media spokesperson, to tell their story. But when I went to Rice, it was to really give them the tools to be successful and be innovative. And so now going to a whole new organization as the top person, I feel fortunate that I've had some great leaders that I can learn from. I hope I take a little bit of everything that, that they taught me. I take with me the experience of being at Rice with an amazing core court, my PR background from the University of Houston. I started at the Valenti College of Communications and also a lot of 25 years of being in a great organization. And I think everything's going to be okay. You know, uh, the first year, I think it's going to be a time to learn, pay attention. And you know, what's funny when I did our, when we did our uh, personal development plan, one of the things they told me is that as a communicator, I have a bad habit of talking more than listening. And one of the things I'm going to do here is do a lot more listening than I am talking. <laughs> what was it like balancing the IMBA program while maintaining your day job? I think I remember one day we were in class and I don't, I don't know if you had to 
I don't know if you left class totally, but I know you had to leave. I think it was a three or four alarm fire, but I know you were juggling that. How, how did you handle that? Was it tough? Absolutely. But there was also so many, there was so much cross-pollination. There would be times that I'm working and things that we were talking about in class were kind of coming into my workplace. So it was a huge advantage to be able to grow together. You know, I was growing as an assistant chief. I had only been an assistant chief for less than a year when I joined the program. And then growing as an IMBA, you got an opportunity to kind of see the theories being applied in practical use. But then you had that amazing cohort that you could bounce ideas off of. So was it tough? Sure. I mean, there's always sacrifices. And unfortunately, most of the time it's your family. And I got to owe a lot to my wife and, and my family for not being around and being with a nose in the book. But I think, do, I think doing it together is huge because it's not just theory. It's practical application, modern day instructors that are giving you what happens today. I mean, I, I remember in our accounting class, somebody asked a question. I don't really quite recall the question, but instead of the professor just looking for the textbook answer, he turned to one of the cohorts and he said, well, wait a minute. And I forgot who it was. He said, don't you work in that environment? He goes, yeah. And then the student in our class started explaining how they did it in the real world. And I remember just taking so many notes and you couldn't write fast enough. There's so much information. Sometimes you wish you could take the same classes three or four times to hope you absorb enough. Uh, there was so much opportunity to bounce ideas in our class that I, I think it was truly built for professionals. You've said before that you're always present in the moment. Is that a skill that you think you just had innately or you took time to develop or how did that come about? I think being present in the moment is, is about being engaged. Whether I was treating a diabetic patient 25 years ago or in the boardrooms here trying to decide what our next strategy is going to be, I've always been fairly engaged. But I will say this, as much as Rice taught me so much about business, they really taught me that people matter most. And that was a skill set that I didn't have. I used to put work before everything else. And I started learning more and more when I would hear some of the stories. I don't know, I can't remember if it was just the, the environment we were in, maybe because we we're going through COVID together and everything else. But you started really learning that they're not just human capital, they're real people. Everyone you work with, no matter above you, below you, lateral, there's real people there and they have real problems. They have real successes. And you decide one day to be more authentic with them and be genuine and listen to them and realize that they're going through their own life, just like you're going through yours. And I still remember in our graduation, one of the speakers said that, that people matter most. And that just resonated with me because that's what Bryce taught me. Excellent advice. I know you've been in many, many high pressure situations. I can't think of many professions that would have a higher pressure situation than, than the business that you've been in. How have you learned to manage that, cope with that, apply it as a positive experience and learn from it rather than what could, you know, in a lot of cases could be, could become very um, negative given the situations you've seen? Well, when I was still operational, when I was on the streets, I always felt that if you were trained up to your best and you were really keeping yourself as a good medic or a firefighter, you're doing your best, no matter what, at the end of the day, if you did your best, that's all you can really do. 
Now, when I got to administration, the pressure was a little bit different because, uh, I would, when you're out on the streets, it's all about you. What can I do? When you get up to the boardroom, you have to learn how to work as a team. And second, you also had to, for me was, I used to take things to heart. You know, I hated to lose because I felt like if I didn't always get everything I was supposed to get, then I'm letting this firefighters down. I'm letting this, the community down. But yeah, I think at, at, there comes a point where you have to realize that, you know what, you can only do what you can do. As long as you did your best, you did it for the right reasons. You took the politics out of it and you just, you did what was right because it was what was right. And when lose or draw, you go home and you're okay with it. You, you want to make sure that you learn to separate and process your failures just as much as you enjoy your successes. When things don't go right, don't just put it in a drawer. Take a breath, step back, give yourself some time, and then review it. Why didn't it go right? What could I have done better? Be systematic about it. You know, too many times when a project goes down or doesn't happen, we just close up the binder, throw it on the shelf, and we move on to the next one. But the lessons learned from that one might help five more projects down the road. So always take a moment. You know, I always say, give yourself enough time to feel sorry for yourself. And you get all of five seconds, you know, and then, <laughs> and, and then sit back. And I remember because Chief Pena did that to me once. I was really, I beat myself up over something. And he pulled me aside because he could tell I was pretty upset. He goes, okay, look, I'm going to let you feel sorry for yourself. And he looked at his, at his clock and he goes, all right, time's up. Now dust yourself off and get back out there because I need you. I need you to do what you do. And so I think you have to give yourself a little time. You have to process, but always review your failures. You'll learn far more from your failures than you ever will from your successes. Five minutes might be a little short. I recently heard it was a professional football player who gave himself 24 hours after a big loss. And then it was, you know, forget it, back to it. But I guess in your line of work, you've got you've to move on quickly. You have to adapt to the environment. And I think this was post-Harvey and the environment, was, everything was moving so fast and we lost you know, half our fleet was underwater, half our stations were not functioning, and you just felt helpless. Okay, dust yourself off and keep going because, you know, th this environment's not going to wait for you to decide when you feel better about it, you know? But uh, like I said, I have some incredible mentors. I have to hand it to Chief Benya. He's been an amazing mentor towards me. He's the one that pushed me to go to Rice, gave me all the time I needed to study. And that's another thing I would always recommend to anyone. If you're coming up in any organization, find a mentor, but be a mentor. If someone's bringing you up, make sure you bring somebody up with you. When you started at Rice Business, did you know maybe what direction you might want to go in post-graduation? Did you see yourself as a chief at a different department, you know, in Texas or across the country? I mean, was that kind of on your radar or did this opportunity just come up and that's when you started thinking about it? No, no. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. You know, I was really looking to possibly take a pivot, go into the private sector, maybe do consulting. I really wasn't sure. I kind of felt in a weird place. You know, here I am a firefighter by trade with a PR undergrad and a master's from Rice. That's a very unique skill set. You know, many times when you go into these high executive levels, they usually like people with institutional experience. And I had a, you know, a repertoire of being a paramedic, fighting fire, and then speaking on camera. And now I, you throw in this business degree. So I wasn't really sure where I fit in the mix. I kind of felt like a, like a square peg in a bunch of round hole world. But eventually, I think sometimes what you do is you give yourself options. And what I learned is a lot of people, when they're looking for executives, they're not looking for a skill set. 
you're looking for the character of the person. And I think in this particular, this was an opportunity. I noticed that a lot of the candidates that I was competing against in New Braunfels, a lot of them had a lot more operational experience. And they were amazing firefighters and chiefs from other organizations with, you know, 40 years, but most of it was operational. And here I was, I was, I was probably one of the youngest ones. I only had 25 years, which is fairly young for a fire chief. And a lot of it was in administration and with a huge business background. And I really thought, man, I'm probably the last guy they're going to pick. Turns out I was their top choice, but I think it's because they realize in organizations, a lot of times you have a lot of people that know the operational level. But who can look at things from a global perspective, look at the business side of it, be strategic and learn how to manage people. And I think maybe, uh, you know, I don't say maybe I know for a fact that they looked at my MBA, they looked at some of the work that I had already done and they felt that I was the right person for that organization for that time, huge growth. There's going to be a huge expectation to manage the growth appropriately. Look at the budget, you know, right now cost escalations are through the roof. You see inflation going, that impacts everyone. But at the end of the day, we still have to provide a certain level of service. You know, in most organizations like that, like fire departments, you have two big responsibilities. You're here to provide the highest degree of customer service to the citizens while providing for the safety of firefighters. But at the end of the day, both of those, they cost money and you need someone with the business acumen to be able to manage it appropriately to provide that. Well, and it seems like a really good fit given, like you said, where they are at this point in time and the the growth projections and what they might be looking for and what they might need. Yeah. You know, they're already talking, we're already having conversations, even though I'm kind of doing a professional handoff, which that's another thing. They were amazing. It gave me over a month to find my successor here and give to a professional handoff, which I wouldn't make sure anyone in any organization does. You should always try to leave the organization in a better place, but they're already sending me the financials. They want me to start reviewing the budgets. And this is, uh, you know, the fiscal year for a lot of organizations are June, July in the public sector. And so they're sending me the financials, start reviewing, seeing where the future and see where there's opportunities to expand, to be creative and innovative. And I, that's where I have to say, you know, Rice has really given me that opportunity to be able to assist in that format. What advice would you give someone who is, you know, maybe considering rice business and maybe coming from a more, perhaps calling it a non-traditional background, what would you say to them? Uh, what I would say about rice is that there's so many different areas. The Jones School is going to really prepare you. It's going to give you the language. It's going to give you the perspective and it's going to introduce you to some amazing people. But, you know, being at rice, even while I was in business school, I was in the data science center and I wrote, and we did a couple of studies that, you know, got a lot of national attention. You met people from the public policy area. And to me, rice gives you a very unique perspective. Business is very structured, but rice itself is very creative and they've managed to bring the two together. So I would recommend rice over any other institution because they teach you that structure of business while being innovative and keeping a growth mindset. They don't want you to just follow the pack. They want you to lead and they want you to lead in a direction that maybe most would be apprehensive, but they, they teach you, don't be scared, be bold, but do your homework. And it sounds like you took advantage of a lot of the opportunities talking about the data center. And there's just so many opportunities there on campus to take a look at. Oh yeah. The data science center was, you know, I've, I think I've done three studies personally. One got national recognition. We've applied you know, trying to be more outcome driven than just meeting some arbitrary numbers, you know, the more and more data is the way to go. 
And especially when you're trying to go in a new direction, you can't just be anecdotal or go with your gut. If you got to sell an idea, you better bring some numbers to the table. And the data science center really has an ability to bring data and financials to any project. And at the end of the day, no matter how innovative, the first question anyone's ever going to ask you, how are you going to pay for it? And that's where I think uh, Jones Schools really prepares us on how to present data, how to find your data, but at the end of the day, and how to use it to your advantage to create new innovative ways to do things. Don't always follow the pack. If you do your homework and you uh, um, on Rice, there's been a lot of innovative thinkers out of there. We've had astronauts come out of Rice. We've had mayors come out of Rice. People that just chose to lead because they felt it was it was important to lead in a new direction. And that's what I, I, I will attribute. If you want to be a leader and be an innovative thinker, you need to go to Rice. Well, we want to thank you so much for joining us. Do you have anything else you'd like to add that I haven't asked you about? I, I hope my Imba Class 2020 is listening and I hope they know just how much they mean to me. I agree. Thank you so much, Rui Lozano, Rice Business Imba Class of 2020. We wish you the best of luck in your new position and we thank you for taking time with us today. Thanks, Christine. This has been I'll Have You Know. Thanks for listening. You can find links and more information about our guests, hosts, and announcements on our website, business.rice.edu. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts and leave us a comment while you're at it. Let us know what you think. I'll Have You Know is a production of Rice Business and is sponsored by the Rice Business Alumni Board. The hosts of I'll Have You Know are myself, Christine Dobbin, and David Drew Gleaver. 